Slice Audio. Season 3, Episode 11. Woo! Good morning, Rapid City. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Brandon. Good morning, Brennan. Good morning, ladies. It's that time again. It's time for Citizen's Rest! Oh, look how red his face is. Let's go. Ooh, well, it's this, it's this lot of chicken effort. that I got in my hand. It's red chicken. What's this chicken all about? I don't want you to squeeze it and find I out. I like it. <laughs> it's a, yeah, he's our little it's a, friend. It's a talking point. It's um, kind of cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, sure is. It's annoying in stores because mm-hmm. if you go by and you squeeze them all in stores and then walk away, it drives everybody nuts. But other than that, yeah. I was first thinking maybe something to do with Halloween, but that's not for a few more weeks. No, yet, we right? pretty much keep him in the he's, studio. He's studio the Roadhouse mascot. Does he got a name? Um, you don't want to know. <laughs> oh gosh! All right, I'll leave that. I'll leave that one alone then. <laughs> not not you, maturely. No. You brought some special guests today. Can you introduce them? Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, this month we are observing uh, National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and so I thought uh, I, I always like to bring guests in here to um, you know talk more about the external spectrum of public safety and criminal justice outside of just the police department. A lot of our uh, partner agencies that uh, uh, people you may not know about. And so um, during during this uh, occasion, I thought it'd be appropriate to uh, talk about the vi- victim's advocacy side of the equation when it comes to uh, cases making their way through the criminal justice system. Okay. And so uh, I brought uh, some rep- representatives uh, from the victim's advocacy uh, side of it and also uh, a guest from the Pennington County State's Attorney's Office. Okay. So if somebody is arrested for domestic violence, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, absolutely. So, <laughs> so vit- victims advocacy. Can you explain exactly what this is and get right up on the microphone? So victim advocacy is where we help the victims become more empowered to take back their lives after they become traumatized in some kind of a violent manner, uh, whether it be from, and in this case, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, some kind of a domestic partner um, violence that's occurred. So our job would be to step in. Um, I work with the Pennington County Sheriff's Office and the Rapid City Police Department as a victim specialist. So what I do is step in at the beginning when the officers have made an arrest or and it's a traumatic incident, then my partner, I would go out, work with the victim from the crisis intervention point, that golden 24 hours of intervention and start working with them to see what kind of safety measures that they need, resources that they need to be safe, feel comfortable, get back to where they can start to stand on their own feet and make their own decisions. Sometimes it's something so simple as we just give them a new phone or we help provide transportation, or they need um, some food, maybe they need diapers for kids or someplace warm to stay for a few days. So that would kind of be my job. And then to walk them through the criminal investigations side of it, especially if it's an ongoing thing. So maybe the event occurs, but the individual hasn't been arrested yet. So I would interface with the victim on why the officers are doing what they're doing, maybe why they said what they said, maybe why they did what they did in a particular fashion. Um, Because sometimes that's 
officers aren't always warm and fuzzy because they have a job to do, right? And safety and, and security are their primary functions. So victims sometimes need to understand why they asked a question the way they did, uh, maybe why through all the yelling and screaming and the crying, the officers weren't, you know, the big fuzzy teddy bears that we sometimes see on TV. So I help them understand that process and the timeline. Um, and provide resources and, and maybe just set them up with counseling somewhere at their, at their discretion. And then as the process goes on and it gets handed over to the state's attorney's office, then I would hand um, the case over and introduce my victim to one of the state's attorney's advocates um, who's standing next to me. So I'll let her talk about what she does after she gets the case. Okay. This is, this is really important because a lot of women out there, they feel like there's there's not help or if they do go out and get help they feel like they're gonna you know somebody's gonna come after them for it and that's where you step in and protect them oh absolutely and we can do everything from working on getting them cameras making their house a little bit safer maybe they need their vehicle fixed so we'll work with local community partners to maybe get some cheaper repairs or get their vehicle up and running or get them a vehicle that's trustworthy maybe we work with a landlord to keep them in their house or help with the schools to make sure the kids are getting into school or getting resources that they need as well that's wonderful Okay. So what is your name and what do you do? I'm Jeannie and I'm with the state's attorney's office, a victim advocate with the state's attorney's office. Um, I come into play once a defendant has been arrested or if we receive a report from law enforcement about domestic violence. Um, My role is to make contact with them, kind of see how they want to proceed in the case. Um, If they're wanting to move forward, I bring in the prosecutor who um, basically takes charge of the case. My role at that point is much less hands-off than what Becky's was. Um, I, I set up meetings with the prosecutors. I, I can refer to resources, but um, by the time they get to my level, many of those resources are sometimes in there. Um, so I set up meetings and I notify about court hearings, any changes that happen in court or the court process. Um, I basically am kind of a liaison between the prosecutor and the victim, wow. and I keep them updated. I love all this support. I yeah, had no idea cool. this was available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm glad we're getting this out out there. It, yeah, it's it's good for them to, to. It's good for anybody domestic violence to to be able to have a a, a voice or be able to have a, a place or somebody to get some protection and stuff like that. Do you think there's um, a place for or at what point? Is it too soon for them to call maybe you guys or, you know what I mean? Did, say if a, if, a, if a girl or even a guy or anybody in a domestic situation feels like they're not safe, when is it, when can they call? Is there a number or how do they get a hold of somebody, I guess? Or who would you like them to call? Maybe if they're listening to this and they're like, I don't feel comfortable in my situation, maybe they've had domestic violence. They haven't necessarily called the cops. Maybe it's not a current emergency like a 911 situation, but maybe they want to reach out to you guys for those resources or something like that. Is it, do they call wavy? Do they call, you know, you guys, is it something like that? All of the above. <laughs> so they can call for resources at any point. And there's 1-800 hotlines that they can call that are both national and local hotlines. Wavy has a, a domestic violence hotline. 211 has a domestic violence resources and hotline. Um, they can always call um, police or sheriff's department dispatch um, and get in touch with uh, my office. And we can help them kind of walk through what resources are available to them and kind of decide at that point what direction they want to go. 
and refer them to local resources that they're looking for. Because not everybody wants to make an arrest. We know that, and we all know that only about 10% of the domestic violence cases are actually reported. So yeah, there's a lot of people who just need, hey, I need a timeout. Maybe we do hook them up with the shelter, or maybe we hook them up with a shelter in another county, help them get a bus ticket someplace else to go there. Um, a lot of the resources uh, for my agency are connected to an actual criminal investigation, but we can certainly refer out to other community resources. We're not going to just not talk to a victim that calls right. in. And the same with the state's attorney's office. I mean, they'll definitely refer to resources. Like, sorry, yours isn't severe enough. Sorry, you didn't yeah. call yeah. the cops. We're not going to help you. We don't you do that. you got to wait get you with a bat. <laughs> yeah. Or something. I don't no, know. No. no, we won't do that. We'll definitely yeah. get them set up. And, um, and we have a lot of long-term victims that call Um, both of us and say, hey, I know that the process is kind of over or maybe the person is, you know, they're separated, they're doing time, but um, I just, things are kind of down and out. Where do I go from here? Or Mm -hmm. they've moved out of the community just waiting for warrants or the trial process to go forward. And they're like, I'm just really having a a crappy day. Can you help me find resources maybe in Chamberlain, South Dakota? And so then we would hook them up with resources in that area to move forward. Cool. So if anybody's ever in any type of domestic violence situation, don't ever feel like you're at a loss. There's somebody out there that can help you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, you can always call the national hotlines. They will connect you with resources in your area. That's what they do. And there's there's ton of them. Domesticviolenceshelters.org is a great resource online. Uh, the domestic violence, just domestic violence awareness. You can type in any of that and they'll just pull up tons and tons of information. And something else I should mention, too, even if you uh, if you're not the victim yourself of the domestic violence situation, if you know somebody that is or you have some suspicions that, you know, things might not be going OK at someone's home you know, get involved, get those resources in place uh, so we can actually reach out to them as a police department or Wavy or whatever to get the resources to that potential victim as far as whatever they may need. So it's more so than not only just the victim, but if you know someone who might be a victim, get involved and take action. Absolutely. See something, say something. We do referrals from other agencies all the time. Okay. And then we have the attorney that that comes in. Tell us about your role. So I come in after the case comes to Jeannie. So let's say Wait, law enforcement. hold on. Sorry. Say your name. Hold up. Back the bus up. <laughs> I'm a fast talker. It's a problem. Let, let the kids out. State your name. <laughs> My name's Natalie Gronlin. Okay, thank you. Now you can go. Um, I get involved once the case is in process by law enforcement sent to our office. Jeannie has established contact with them and brings them in for an initial meeting. At that initial meeting, I don't talk to them about the facts of the case um, just because they've probably told their story to two, 10, 20 people by that point. Um, but I ask them, I explain the court process to them, what it looks like. I give them a generalized time frame, and I walk them through the various steps and kind of get their input on whether or not they want to proceed forward with charges. Um, and if they don't want to proceed forward on charges, I let them know whether or not I will prosecute the case without their involvement. If I decide to prosecute the case without their cooperation, that doesn't mean we just put them in a corner and ignore them. They do still have rights under South Dakota law that they still get input on plea offers. They get heard at sentencing. They get heard on bond. They're just not ignored at that point. They still have rights. However, I understand that they may be uncooperative if this were to be set for a jury trial. Mm -hmm. So if a victim is uncooperative, I look at it through the lens as whether the state can prosecute the case 
beyond a reasonable doubt without their involvement. It's not them who are pursuing charges. It's the state that pursues charges. Like in with if a state's pursuing charges, maybe you feel it's that severe of a situation, like you're having to protect a person from a person kind of thing, or is that is that kind of what that situation would would be like, or potentially? Um, in or because not, the, not in all cases would you say no? I don't really. You like if you're not pressing charges, I don't care. I'm going after this person, or or like how would that work out? I guess. Well, I have to evaluate charges as to whether I can prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. The standard that we have to prove at trial without their cooperation. If they tell me if they tell me that they're not cooperative and they're not going to testify, there may be evidence that I can't get in through the rules of evidence without their testimony. Mm -hmm. So then I evaluate the case for viability after they would no longer be involved in the process. So whether there's video of the crime, there's third-party witness testimony, Mm -hmm. or there's other other evidence that would support the crime that the individual is charged with. Yeah, whether they're, yeah, be like, I can prove that they did it because that's on video. I have it right here, type of thing. Yeah, okay. Wow. It's wild. Yes, it is. That's crazy. That domestic violence stuff is no joke. And it's scary. It's scary to be a part of that stuff. Um, A long time ago, a good friend of mine that I grew up with, I was born and raised with, her name was Morgan Myers. And uh, she was that victim at at Walmart. Gosh, this has been 10 plus years ago. And, uh, you know, she was dating somebody. It, It was going sideways. She had a restraining order, thought she was safe, and then unfortunately was a victim of that domestic violence. And, uh, you know, that's the unfortunate side of it. You know, she, we all wish that she maybe could have took a little more precautions on her own. She kept thinking, I I believe she kept saying, no, I'm good. I'm good. People were like, let us walk out with you. Let us be around you. No, I'm good. She even, I believe, you know, was like, I don't feel like I'm safe with this guy. You know, this guy's a little weird, but you know, you just never know, you know, you don't know. And that's that's the crazy thing about domestic violence you never know and i suppose in your guys' situation what severity a case is from level you know what level they're at is it real is it fake is it what what you know at what point is it going to be an extreme case so it's kind of scary i suppose yeah you know and when there's a victim caught up in that cycle it's very hard for them to get out they often don't even realize what kind of cycle they're in um, so it's it's real important that, you know, we try to maintain contact with them and support and try to help them see that there is an alternative to what they're going through, mm-hmm. you know, and get them help. So if somebody was in a situation where they were a stay-at-home mom and they had three kids and the husband it supported the family and they just felt like they couldn't leave because they couldn't support themselves, how could you help that person? So the first thing we have to do is convince them that they can get out of that relationship and that there's places that they can go. It's never going to be easy. Absolutely never going to sugarcoat that. It's not going to be easy. And finances and security status in the community are all big reasons why people stay, right? Mm-hmm. It, it'll be better. I'll do this different, whatever the excuse is, but it doesn't ever get better. Domestic violence gets worse typically. And So resources that we would provide for them is really just whatever they need, whether it's getting them in touch with family, um, getting them a new place to live. Maybe we put them on uh, some kind of a housing waiting list, uh, work with resources, get them jobs, those kind. There's a ton of things that are out there. None of it is a quick fix. None of this happens in 24 hours. Um, And that's that's the hard part. 
but knowing that there are resources out there and people who will help you, you just have to want the help. There are people who will help you at every step of the junction. Um, and we know that a drug and alcohol addiction is big in every facet of, of criminal prosecution, period. And, and in domestic violence, we have a lot of drug and alcohol issues as well. So those are always steps that we have to walk through, too. And, um, you know, the Department of Social Services often gets involved, and that's a scary thing, too. But as advocates, we can kind of help them navigate that multifacet system and just you know, we trauma-informed, right? Mm-hmm. You live through domestic violence. It's like living, sometimes people have PTSD from that. It's like living through pieces of a war zone. Yeah. And it's a war in your home. So there's a lot of uh, fronts that we have to ta- take into that. And we know that they're going to go back sometimes. There's no quick fix. And uh, we have to let the victims empower themselves and make their own decisions. Because what I think is right for somebody might not be what they think is right. So a lot of what Jeannie and I do is just making sure that we give people the options and the choices and kind of help them navigate and understand what those all are that's right for them. Okay. You know, back to that stay-at-home mom. Like, the court system and law enforcement are scary because to to an extent you lose control of your situation. Um, you know, if, if you know people who are in that situation who are thinking or wanting to get out, um, we need to mention Wavy because that, that is a group of folks that are fabulous. And they are such a good resource for those people um, and a huge support for people who want to get out of this situation. Um, the nice thing yeah. about Wavy is that they're a confidential source. They're not obligated under any laws to report for a victim or contrary to a victim. So if a victim just needs a safe place to stay and resources, they can do that confidentially, and Wavy will help protect them in that fashion. Um, they'll still utilize law enforcement. They still have legal advocacy resources and that kind of thing, but that can often be a first, middle, or last step. Okay. Mm. So somebody that's listening right now, and is you know needing help what's the first step what do they do how do they get out it, who did they call it Wavy depends upon the situation yeah you know what do they need you know if, if, if it's a criminal thing that's happening and you know it's violent in their home they need to call 911 they need law enforcement to be involved in that I mean we want to make sure they're safe primarily okay and then we move forward from there if there's somebody who's like hey I just don't like being here this is on that edge I want out um, and they can safely do that, then call Wavy, get that set up, go into shelter. Um, or And it doesn't have to be here. I mean, I think victims sometimes feel like you can only go to a shelter in your area, and that's not true. Um, shelters in any area will take you and work with you. Okay. That's cool. And <clears throat> there's different uh, types of domestic violence, right? There's physical and emotional and verbal Right. So if anybody feels like they're a victim of that, they could reach out to those numbers or reach out to you guys. And again, I guess if it's an emergency, reach out to the police or or whatever that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that you're here today because this was great information. Now, do you guys are you guys um, the one one question I was thinking of and I forgot until just now. Sorry. Uh, Funding wise, uh, is there anything as a community do you guys take funding or or is it like, you know, like sometimes if somebody wanted to donate, whether it be uh, financially and or clothing or things like that to like Wavy or to you guys or to anybody like that? Is there a way that people can reach out to you guys to help out with stuff like that? 
Absolutely. All of the community-based um, shelters and uh, advocacy centers all take donations, um, whether it's food, clothing, other uh, let's say diapers, whatever. Mm-hmm. They will take all of that. Um, they'll always take donations of money if somebody wants to hand money over. Right. Um, being part of the criminal justice system and part of government agencies, we we also will take um, donations of like children's clothes. Um, oh, we yes. hand out diapers to kids. We hand out blankets. Um, we hand out. Uh, we don't take monetary because we don't have in, we don't have that have that put, it. put <laughs> it and we don't we don't have that stream. We're funded mm-hmm. um, both through the sheriff's department and then through the VOCA grant, which is a violence you know mm-hmm. victims of violence grant at the federal mm-hmm. level. But we take yeah you know we hand out boxes of food for and cool. we work with victims not just domestic violence. So we hand out all kinds of resources, phone cards for extended money uh, on phone plans. We have. So a lot of that kind of emergency need, um, shelter kinds of stuff. So, yeah, so I suppose as a child's growing and you're like, oh, crud, I have a bunch of extra diapers that that child doesn't fit in, they could just bring them to you guys and and just keep feeding you. How do they get a hold of you guys? So they can get a hold of us um, by calling the Sheriff's Department at 605-391-6115 and asking for victim specialists, or they can contact the state's attorney's office um, or they can call dispatch at any time and they'll get them in touch with us. Emergency number. Yep. Yep. Wonderful. I just have one more plug. This is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So I would encourage everyone to wear purple on Fridays, the power of purple, which is the color for domestic violence. Um, shout out for the color of purple. Yeah. And um, on the 19th, we're going to have a multi-agency photo in front of the public safety building. Um, officers in uniform and then anybody who wants to wear purple and be part of the photo is certainly welcome. Okay. All thank right. you. Awesome. If you have a question that uh, you'd like us to focus on, you can send it to citizensarrest at homesliceaudio.com. But get out there and let's support domestic violence this month. Thanks for coming in, guys. Citizens Arrest is hosted by Amy Rose, Brandon Jones, Brendan Medina, and Lieutenant Mosier. Produced by Mark Houston. Engineered by Chris Jacquez. Audio and video mastered by Russ Haddon. If you liked what you heard, please rate it five stars and leave a comment. Affirmative.